Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the only audio you need, episode 126. It is uh, Monday, Labor Day, in fact, and yet I find myself continuing to labor. It, it seems like only uh, a select handful uh, find themselves without labor on uh, this lovely Monday. Uh, and if you're one of those lucky few and you're enjoying this podcast... Um, you know, you should, you should, uh, give me money <clears throat> or something. I don't know. Find a way. I don't even have any way currently that is set up for you to help fund me speaking into this microphone and experiencing more of the world for me to comment on or just, you know, bring my own, I don't know, trying to, if you like hearing me trying to figure out what in the fuck is going on with the world, uh, I have no way of receiving any of your support financially. And so I, I think you should just will it. You should hope and pray your money towards my direction, or at least someone's money towards my direction. Uh, I really don't think you should do anything more than that. I, I, the thoughts and prayers that you can offer towards my financial stability uh, is, is all I can really ask for. And speaking of thoughts and prayers, um, it, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a little past at this point, but I think it's really important still to talk about our thoughts and prayers um, to the victims of Hurricane Ida. Um, particularly those in Louisiana. Uh, but every time I feel like there's a hurricane in Louisiana, it, it, it begs the same question that I've had so many times, and I'm sure I'll have for, you know, weeks and months to come. I doubt I'll ever get to a real uh, satisfactory answer. Um, but at what point uh, is victim blaming all right? Uh, you, you know, like, typically I feel like there's a bit of vilification that comes whenever you bring up, or people will lob uh, the honorific of victim blaming towards somebody if they ever say, hey man, maybe, you know, maybe, obviously there are a lot of moving parts here, and maybe there's some things that you could prevent uh you know, you could do to prevent yourself from becoming a victim. I, I don't know. Is there an instance where you can, you could do something to prevent yourself from becoming a victim and we, we should be able to tell you that. We should be allowed. It's okay for us to tell you that maybe there was something you could do to not become a victim of X, Y, and Z. Is, is there ever a time when we're allowed to do that? You know, the classic instance of like, well, maybe you shouldn't have been uh, scantily clad walking down an alley at night. And it's like, well, yeah, that's fucking dumb. I mean, you know, you got to protect yourself and all, but it's like, that's a rapist. You know, rapes happen. And it's it's pretty difficult to say that the victim holds any of the blame for the atrocity that's happened. I'm sure some people would argue that, you know, you could do it there, but I don't know. Uh, but, but something like living in, continuing to live in Louisiana and experiencing regular intervals of your whole city being decimated... At that point, is victim blaming, uh, I, I mean, appropriate seems like too strong of a word, but maybe looked on slightly more favorably than it has been in the past or in, in other situations. You know, like we don't, we don't look to, you know, Maine or Minnesota or some shit and we're not like, oh my God, they're experiencing, you know, eight feet of snow, uh, fucking mobilize the National Guard or something like that. That shit is built into their budget at this point. 
they pay taxes for a snowplow to come by and plow their roads. They have infrastructure built up. At this point, they aren't victims of the snow. You know, they aren't victims of, of the winter weather. Because at this point, if you were still a victim of the winter weather, people might be looking at you like it's somewhat your fault. And so are, are people in Louisiana still victims of tropical storms, hurricanes, flooding, shit like that? Are they still, at this point, are you still a victim? I, I mean, I don't know. I'm very conflicted because at this point, I've personally been on like four separate excursions uh, you know, down to Louisiana, Chalmette, uh, you know, St. Bernard Parish, that kind of area, um, to, to in, in, you know, like rebuilding efforts after various hurricanes, Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Ike, I think, I think it was mainly Hurricane Katrina that we were down there for. But I mean, we talked to these people, you know, their lives had been decimated. Um, you know, this guy told me this crazy story. He and his son, I think it was maybe just the two of them, stayed to watch over their house uh, during Hurricane Katrina. And they had to be rescued from their rooftop. You know, it's like they're they in the house and they go into the attic with a fucking axe. And they're like, yeah, you got to make sure you bring an axe when you go into the attic when the floodwaters rise. Because if the floodwaters keep rising and you're stuck in the attic and you have no way of breaking the roof or some shit, you can drown in your attic, which is already fucking crazy to me. But he's telling me they were getting rescued from their roof. They're on their roof, you know, trying to flag a boat down or some shit like that. A boat comes over, but it can't get close enough because there's, you know, other houses and stuff like that. They don't exactly know what they're you know, piloting their boat through. And so they have to swim from their rooftop to the boat. And this dude is telling me that while he's swimming, I don't know, like a hundred feet or whatever it is, he is getting armfuls of snakes with each stroke. Just straight armfuls. Because all these snakes that were, you know, living in the bayou or whatever, they're, they're all out and about. Uh, you know, in the floodwaters. And he's telling me that he's swimming through armfuls of snakes. Maybe it was a little exaggerated or whatever. But I, I couldn't fathom that experience, let alone having that experience and then continuing to live in the place that they were already living. And yes, I know, we, we, we start running into a lot of different issues, a lot of different questions, a lot of different, hey, maybe you shouldn't, you know, be blaming them for whatever situation they're in. Uh, because, hey, not all, not everybody can uh, just pick up their lives and move to a new place because, you know, wherever they're living is, is a shithole. Not everybody has that uh, freedom or flexibility. But at, at this point, it almost seems like you're more likely to die if you stay in Louisiana and endure hurricane after hurricane, then if you potentially experience poverty uh, based off of a relocation. Yeah, poverty is not good for you. Uh, I've heard people say that poverty is carcinogenic. You know, having, a, having low income leads to all kinds of health issues, cancer being one of them. But just, I mean, you're not eating well enough. You, you've got a myriad of struggles that you're going to face just because of, uh, you know, not having access to a lot of money. But I don't, I'm getting suspicious that that might be, uh, you know, less fatal than continuing to live in a remarkably hurricane prone area. I heard recently that some experts are projecting that by 2080, there will be large swaths of the United States that are all but uninhabitable um, due to climate change in general. Uh, but just like sea levels rising, you know, hurricanes becoming more intense, weather in general being more intense, 
wildfires all along the West Coast. Um, just all kinds of shit that is going to make just huge tracts of land all but uninhabitable. But it's not going to be overnight. It's by 2080. And there's already, you know, horrendous issues. People are already fleeing California to get away from the wildfires. People are already... I mean, I knew a bunch of kids uh, that were essentially refugees from Hurricane Katrina when I was growing up in Texas. You know, like, people are already being displaced by, uh, you know, climate like uh, climate changing events or whatever. And I'm just getting a little suspicious, a little nervous, a little anxious that maybe during this transition to where the West coasts and, you know, East coast and large areas of the United States become uninhabitable. People aren't going to be all that keen on moving. There's going to be arguments again, like, well, they don't have the financial freedom to pick their lives up. They don't have the, you know, X, Y, and Z to, to, to really be able to make a, a change like this and get away from this. But it's like, yeah, uh, do you want to fucking die or do you want to leave? Those are your options. And a lot of philosophers like look at freedom and, and, and the freedom of choice is like, you got to have two realistic choices. It can't be your money or your life. That's not how this shit works. That's not two free choices. A reasonable person has to make both choices for it to be true freedom. And so it's like, your money or your life, I mean, you're going to have to fucking leave where you live. You're going to have to relocate. It's going to hit a certain point where you are displaced because of climate change or whatever. And so at what point... Can we start blaming a victim or two? It's, maybe there needs to be like a new branding. It's not... It, victim blaming has already got this stigma where you're like, well, fuck, man. You know, it's hard to agree with somebody if their posi <clears throat> position sounds anything like victim blaming or can be labeled as such. So, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe... I don't know. Somebody's going to figure out some way to explain to people that live in horrendous areas, maybe the hurricanes need to be in your budget. Maybe you need to have infrastructure developed that can realistically withstand the shit that you want to do. Maybe not. I don't know. What do I know at the end of the day? Uh, but, <clears throat> and okay, so moving on, this is going to sound a little paradoxical. But I'm, I'm beginning to become, well, I'm not beginning. I've been suspicious for a while, ever since the start of the only audio you need. You know, me trying to usurp all other podcast listeners down to my platform or whatever. Uh, I, I've become suspicious that... You can't really produce a podcast this day and age if it has some kind of comedic slant and not be involved in whatever the fuck's going on with Joe Rogan. Either most of your supporters and listeners come from going on the JRE and, you know, pushing your podcast or brand or whatever the fuck you call it these days, or... Just talking about whatever's going on with Joe Rogan in general. And so we find ourselves in the midst of it yet again. And I'm sure every fucking person on every fucking podcast is going to have their take. So I, I guess I'll just join them. I'll resign myself to enjoying a little bit of low-hanging fruit here and there. <clears throat> so we've got Joe Rogan has the... Coronavirus. He is a current, currently infected individual with SARS-CoV-2 and unvaccinated at that. Um, but, I mean, by all accounts, it seems like he's doing all right. And I don't, I don't know the best way to word this, but I am getting a little bored with 
how how everything's kind of playing out recently. The political atmosphere. I don't really give a fuck about Afghanistan. Uh, hurricanes happen way too often. And, and COVID's really not even become that exciting anymore. We need like a season two or a season three. I don't know. Whatever fucking season we're on of COVID. There just needs to be a new twist. And I think it would be really... I don't want it to happen. I don't want anyone to die for any reason. But some people do die all the time. And I think it would be fucking crazy if Joe Rogan died of COVID. <laughs> like, it, I don't know how we haven't had, like, anybody, like, really notable. Like, how has there not been, like, a world leader? How has, like, the Prime Minister of Singapore or Uzbekistan or some shit not been clapped out by, by COVID? How have we not had... I, I, I don't know. Has there been, like, any big congressmen or, or congress, congress people, congresspersons? Uh, you know, clipped by, by COVID or like a big celebrity, Cole Beasley, you know, something, something like that. Just somebody, it doesn't even have to be somebody who's, you know, decently vocal against, uh, vaccines or, you know, masks or lockdowns or whatever. Just pick anybody. But God, I think it would be really crazy and very interesting. Maybe I'm too bored. Maybe I'm losing my shit because I'm just too bored with, you know, there hasn't been enough cool-ass shit going on. We always think about, like, how hectic, hectic of a freaking world we live in. But at the end of the day, it's really not that hectic in comparison to a lot of other portions of human history. Like, I'm not currently going to war. I'm not worried about being drafted into a fucking global conflict or even like any kind of conflict. Like there's no active physical violence impending upon myself or my family. And there's no like, I don't know, borders changing some dude trying to gobble up as much land as he can just for shits and giggles. No Alexander the Great style conquests going on. We're living in a, in a relatively peaceful, relatively fucking boring-ass time to be alive as far as human conflict goes. People always talk about, oh yeah, man, we're, we're as divided, or we're more divided than we've been since the Civil War. Or, or we're, you know, we've got income inequality that, that, you know, has surpassed what was going on leading up to the French Revolution. All right. Have the powers at be just figured out how to sedate us well enough for us to not give a fuck? Have we been dumbed down enough to, like, not actually go to arms or have any kind of legitimate, interesting developments in, I mean, any kind of issue that is facing humanity today? I don't know. It just seems, it just seems so scripted or, or not even scripted. I mean, maybe that's too strong. But it's just so boring like this was my issue when we were coming up to like the uh the 2020 election i was like honestly i don't want joe biden to win i I, like i'll say that till the day i die i had no interest in joe biden winning but as fucking lunatic-esque donald trump was has been is to this day i was getting a little bored of the antics it was just every day. Oh man, guess what? He said something, you know, slightly offensive and a little crazy, and it's gonna dominate a news cycle or two. And people are going to react in an outrageous fashion. People are going to say that this is a threat to democracy. People are gonna say, it, it was almost like, hey, let's just hear the same five or six lines rehashed over and over again. Every time Donald Trump says something a little crazy or a little silly or he tries to make a joke that, you know, rustles some fucking dude's jimmies. And it's just, it just got boring. It just got hacky almost. And so I was like, fuck it, man. Let's mix it up. Let's see. We've had a bunch of left outrage for four years now. Let's see what happens if we get some right outrage. And at least it got a little interesting 
I thought January 6th was, I was like compelled to watch the news. I turned on what it, legacy media, whatever you want to call it. I went to CNN's homepage and I read the, or I watched the first live feed coverage that I could of January 6th. And whatever ramifications that day had, it was at least a little fucking interesting. It gave me a little something to talk about. It almost felt like I was living through a little bit of history. And, I mean, maybe history is boring as fuck a lot of the times. I guess that's how a lot of us felt history class was. But, you know, at this point, COVID is a little boring. And if somebody could, you know, take one for the team and make shit a little bit interesting, that would be... That would be pretty spectacular. But I don't know. I don't know if that's realistic. And now here's everybody's favorite part of the program. Imaginary ads. These are... Uh, the things that apparently keep this whole operation moving. Imaginary ads. Uh, I love working on my craft and trying to think up new and exciting things. And what's my favorite part of this whole thing is I do all of this. I try to make you guys listen to 50 minutes or an hour of rambling nonsense so that you will suffer through a little bit of imaginary ads. If I can get you to suffer through some imaginary ads, I have done it. I am successful. I have achieved financial freedom through talking into a microphone. The imaginary ads. Uh, it just seems like every podcaster, every person that produces any uh, entertaining product all they're really doing is pandering for your attention so that you'll suffer through a little bit of ad read or whatever to uh, listen to their podcast or tv show or whatever uh that seems like honestly like the best model it's like yeah this shit's free but you just have to suffer for a little bit this you know, this podcast is free, um, but you're going to have to suffer through an ad read or you're going to have to, you know, a certain percentage of you are hopefully going to be, you know, persuaded to go use my promo code the next time you're trying to buy underpants. If you do that, I'll be able to continue to take on the man through my rebel radio. If you, if you... <laughs> If, if you tell him I sent you the next time you go buy some dick pills, if you tell him I sent you, then I'll be able to, to keep telling you about how the world is actually fucking you, slowly but surely. If you, if you become so depressed that you actually need to use better help and you become medicated, if Big Pharma gives you one of their pills to combat chronic depression, then I'll be able to tell you a little bit more about how you're being fucked by Big Pharma, treating you for chronic depression or whatever. At this point, I should just, I should just stop what I'm doing and I should just start selling slightly better uh, pills for depression. That should be the only imaginary ad that I'd read ever. Hey, you out there, does, does music not sound as good as it used to? Do the things that you used to enjoy just not spark your interest like they used to? Maybe, maybe you need a chemical in your body that you will be on perpetually. That's my favorite part about it all. The imaginary ads for pills to combat depression are my favorite. Because you're, you're never supposed to get off of them. There's never like, uh, oh yeah, man, I had a broken arm and I had a cast and they had an end date 
to when they were going to take this cast off my arm. They had an end date for when I was going to be all better. Um, but I don't, I don't know if that's the case with, you know, I guess pills to make, to, to cure your depression. I guess it's not ever a cure for depression, it's just treating depression. So, I mean, in the same way that you would probably chronically have to take pills and have medical treatment if you've got diabetes. At least type 1. Um, so here's an imaginary ad for a chronic treatment that you're going to have. And also, if you have it, other people around you might also want to buy this product. So I'm going to sit down... I'm going to contemplate life, contemplate my experiences, and everything that I've learned, and I'm going to try to form it into a more cohesive narrative of how I see the world, to try to prevent myself and others from, you know, trying to experience this reality, but in a flawed perspective. I'm going to do all this so that you maybe will listen to an ad for a dick pill or an underpant or perhaps some kind of subscription service box where once a month you receive a new package that holds a couple of items that we say are worth $250 but we probably put it together for 17 and then you're gonna buy it for 50 and then we're gonna send it to your house and you're gonna love it. It's one of those only times that you actually enjoy getting mail. Yeah, you get an Amazon package here and there. A lot of it is just garbage that you throw in the trash. But you have listened to this program and you are now receiving an imaginary ad for a fake subscription box service that makes your life a little bit better, maybe? Maybe it's, maybe it's better. Hey, it's product. My content feeds you product. That's the business model or something. At the end of the day, whatever content I put out is just going to serve you a little bit more shit product to make your life better, question mark. All right, that's it for imaginary ads. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. But moving on a little bit, um, switching gears <clears throat> a touch. Uh, I, 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 I just kind of want to look into some of the outrage that comes along with, uh, a sitcom or a Netflix series or a Saturday Night Live bit or, I don't know, a joke that a comedian makes. It, I've heard, I mean, there's a classic one where it's like, black people could say the N-word. It's like, well, that's complicated. Gay dudes can make gay jokes. Uh... I heard recently some dude was outraged that Netflix made a joke about erectile dysfunction. And this dude was legitimately like, oh yeah, this is something that Netflix is allowed to make fun of now? Huh? Is this really something that, that we're all comfortable? We're, we're making fun of a medical condition. This dude has erectile dysfunction. His body currently is not working the way it is intended to and we're gonna laugh at him for it. And I was like, dude, okay, let's just say, what if, what if a dude who had erectile dysfunction made an erectile dysfunction joke? Is that okay? Can we, can we get by? He's like, yeah, you know, somebody in a wheelchair can make a wheelchair joke or whatever. Maybe a dude with a micro penis can make a micro penis joke. Somebody with cancer makes a cancer joke and it's like, oh, that was a little dark. And they're like, oh, at least they've still got a sense of humor, you know, at this difficult juncture in their life. 
so it's like, okay, do we just stock, uh, you know, all the writers' rooms, or like, can you just have approval? Can you just have any Asian guy? Because obviously, all Asian people aren't going to be offended by the same stuff or approve of the same stuff or whatever. All you know, lesbians aren't going to be offended by or approve of the same jokes. But it's like, hey man, that person's a ginger, so they can make ginger jokes. Well, what if their ginger joke offends another ginger? Well, it doesn't really matter. Because it's like, that's a ginger just making a ginger joke, right? So like, what if you just had a, a Netflix special and you were like, this special has been reviewed and approved by these groups. So if I made a joke about, uh, you know, homeless people, it was approved by a homeless dude. And so it's okay. I can make the joke now. Because it's like, he would have made the joke. I, I told him, bro, take this joke out. Start saying it, uh, you know, around the burning trash can. And, uh, you know, see if these other dudes love it. Or see if these other, I mean, well... Let's be honest, there's a higher proportion of homeless dudes than homeless women. And uh, homeless others. Um, so it's like, I mean, yeah, can he just give approval of the joke? And then it's a-okay to make whatever fucked up joke I want to? Or like if you're playing a character. And you're like, hey, this character is supposed to have the flaw of being homophobic. That's part of his character. We're trying to show this guy acting as a bit of a buffoon here and there. And one of his buffoonery quirks or whatever is that we're going to make fun of him for being homophobic. And so every once in a while, he makes a homophobic joke. And you're like, oh, ha ha, that was homophobic. And I looked down on this dude for doing that. But it was still a funny ass joke. I don't know. I... I, I think that's okay, but I'm sure I don't actually know. Next point, which I feel like could probably talk be talked about <clears throat> for years, months, whatever, uh, on end, and no one's really going to come to a good answer because it's just the nature of it is so complicated and, and muddy and unclear. Um, just pretty much what I'm, what I'm interested in is just conspiracy theories in general, because conspiracy theories is just such a hot button thing, especially these days. I mean, everybody's got a hundred different conspiracies or conspiracy theories of what they think might be going on with the pandemic. And I mean, there's some that are all but undeniable that we don't have <clears throat> confirmed information for, which... Of course, Jeffrey Epstein is at the top of the list. But that has been, you know, run over by a hundred different podcasters on a thousand different podcasts. So let's not go. I'm sure you can get enough information on Jeffrey Epstein if you're all that curious uh, by just typing it into Google. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if the first thing that w that came up was Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Um. But it's just the nature of conspiracy theories in general. I just think it's really interesting. What makes a mind start to lean into thinking that things are more conspiratorial than not? You know? Like, you don't really have a lot of evidence on either side, or the evidence on either side is, is skeptical, or the evidence on either side is circumstantial. Whatever it is. Uh... There's just a lot of issues with a lot of different conspiracy theories, but they just start to become more and more mainstream. Um, like being a conspiracy theorist in general has just become, uh, you know, it's like the zeitgeist of how to think about the world. And I think there's a, a couple of reasons why. You know, one in particular is that there have been legitimate conspiracies. There have been a handful of things that have like horrible things that the U.S. government... I honestly want a list of every fucked up thing that the U.S. government has done in pursuit of doing something good. The first one to me, and the most egregious, 
is like the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. Like that's a classic. I don't even blame or like look at a black person weird if they're like, yeah, I don't really trust doctors. And I'm like, you probably shouldn't, man. Like I gotta be honest. After Tuskegee, that has fucked up the faith in the medical field for uh, you know, a whole segment of the population. That was just such a ridiculous thing to do. And for those of you that, that aren't aware, they just they, they wanted to understand the natural progression of syphilis within a human being. And at the time, we already had a cure for syphilis. We were giving people penicillin if they fucked some nasty-ass bitch. And, you know, it, it really wasn't even a complicated treatment at that point, as far as I understand. But they were like, well, what really happens? I mean, we've heard about people getting syphilis and just, like, losing their shit. Uh, Howard Hughes being the classic example of that. And then a lot of, uh, like, the, you know, powdered wigs becoming mainstream with the Founding Fathers. Apparently that was because they smelled like shit and they lost their hair from having syphilis. But a bunch of scientists wanted to get together and understand what the natural progression of the disease syphilis really looked like. And so they just gave it to black people. They were like, let's just, you know, come on in. They thought they were getting medical care for whatever, or they were getting some kind of medical treatment that they needed. They inoculated them with syphilis, and they just let it happen. You know? They were like, hey, we could give you penicillin, but... We want to know what's going on so we can, I mean, maybe, sure, their sacrifice could lead to us treating syphilis better in general or whatever. But nowadays in modern medicine, we have pretty strict guidelines that prevent exactly what happened in Tuskegee. Like if you ever talk to somebody that does like medical experimentation, they know verbatim. They probably had several lectures about the Tuskegee syphilis experiments. And that, it's just kind of, like, I'm, I'm not surprised at any kind of skepticism of the medical field from that point moving forward. And there are other conspiracies that have, you know, Operation Northwoods, um, you know, planning on killing Americans to promote a war with Cuba, uh, and, and you know, like other false flag instances that I'm sure you can hear about from Alex Jones or whoever, there are some legitimate conspiracies. There have been uh, cabals of people. I mean, an, a, a classic one, and this one, I just think it's still gross because it's still a thing. We know about it. We know it happened. There was a group of people that conspired to make it so that um, the light bulb didn't last as long as it was supposed to. They were a bunch of light bulb manufacturers and they were like, hey, we, it's cutting into our profits. All your engineers are making light bulbs that are just better light bulbs. They burn brighter, they use less energy, they last longer. There's like some light bulb that's been burning for like 125 years or some crazy ass shit like that. And the light bulb manufacturers were like, hey, if we sell a light bulb, that's like a, it's an everlasting, everlasting gobstopper of light bulbs. Our business model is so fucked because people are just going to buy one light bulb and then that's, that's the end of it. And so they got together and they were like, hey, we are the light bulb manufacturers of the world. Let's stop making good light bulbs and let's start making a better business model. And so now we've got light bulbs that you got to change, you know, however fucking often. And yeah, there's been some innovation with like LED light bulbs and stuff like that. But it's crazy that that is just a legitimate conspiracy that has happened and continues to happen. And we know about it. We've got documents and it's very easy to prove that. Another one, which I mean, I guess it's a conspiracy. It's not even a conspiracy theory, but like OPEC. They just conspire to fix the price of oil because they're the oil-producing countries. So there are conspiracies. There are handfuls 
there are instances where a handful of people that have, uh, you know, some kind of vice grip on a, an area of life use that to make their lives better. It's not crazy. But the thing is, when everything starts looking like a conspiracy, like I can understand why those dudes wanted to fix the light bulb and be like, this is why uh, we can't have the everlasting light bulb. It's because we won't make any money. And I, I, I understand like fiscal motivation and I feel like that's probably the easiest, uh, you know, conspiracy motive. And I, I'm, I'm just, I'm concerned that once you start seeing some conspiracies and you start seeing how realistic some potential conspiracies might be, everything starts to look like a conspiracy. Can you ever be conspiracy proof? And I've only met a couple of people. I mean, I'm, I know there are a lot out there because I worked in a building with a lot of them, which I would, I would deem they are, at least in one narrow area, conspiracy proof. But I think it really just shows how difficult, how almost like life, how, how it takes like your entire life to be conspiracy proof against something. And the people I'm talking about are top flight researchers in a specific field. I knew this one guy and he was working for a lady. He wasn't even, he was on his, his second postdoc. So if you're not super familiar with how this kind of progression works, if you like want to be a researcher that works on, I don't know, growing a kidney in a dish because you want to make it so that kidney transplants don't have to happen um, from like a live donor anymore. What you got to do is you, you go to high school, you graduate high school, you go to undergrad, you maybe major in molecular biology or biochemical engineering or whatever. You then go on and get your PhD in a related field. Biochemical engineering is, is one, if you want to grow an organ in a dish or uh, neuroscience or whatever, if you want to work on, there was, our neighbors were working on glial cells, whatever it is. And then from there, you get your PhD. You are doctor whatever. You can then go on to do a postdoctoral rotation where you pretty much work for another scientist who's probably, I mean, they've, they've set up their own lab and they've been working in that field for, you know, usually a long ass time. And you work in their lab as a postdoc, you know, researcher. This guy was on his second postdoc. And he was looking at uh, how do your kidneys, some really specific shit with your kidneys, how do they, how do they differentiate between getting, like, your, you've got tubes in your kidneys, how do they get from arteries and veins? How do they differentiate the two of them? Really complicated shit, very, I, I didn't even understand it after working with this dude for a year. But here's the thing. This dude was on the absolute cusp of human understanding. There was not a person in the world. Maybe there was one or two dudes who were like close because he worked in just a specific field that like, you know, he was looking at a specific protein and its relationship to like four or five other proteins and how that led to these, you know, whatevers. There is not a person in the world. His boss didn't understand his shit as well as he did. You know? So if his boss came to him and was like, oh yeah, uh, like if, if they wanted to have a conspiracy to, to try to fool this dude into thinking X, Y, and Z about kidneys, you couldn't do it. He would just take whatever you said and he would use the best equipment in the entire world to test what you, if you you know if what you said was true so like that dude is 100% fully conspiracy proof but that's because he spent the past like 20 years working in this field to to make himself effectively conspiracy proof he didn't have to take anybody's word for shit 
there were instances where I heard him say, oh yeah, this isn't really my field, so I have to take their word for it. You know, when it came to like, I don't know, retinal, uh, you know, vascular patterning or whatever, whatever it was, he would be like, I'm not super familiar with this field. I haven't been reading uh, papers and actively doing my own experiments, trying to understand this stuff better, not, not just from like a textbook. None of the shit that he worked on would be in a textbook because, you know, it, 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 it's still being worked out and he was the one working it out. So if that's what it takes to be conspiracy proof, we are so fucked on a hundred other conspiracies. We are so fucked. Maybe there is some kind of, you know, ulterior motive to get everyone vaccinated. I mean, I'm sure there are some people who are like, hey man, there is an, a pretty significant revenue stream that we could uh, suck out of getting everybody vaccinated. And so what can we do to make ourselves a few hundred million dollars richer? But it's like, is that almost inevitable? In, in any kind of crisis, are people going to profit off of it and somehow, are there gonna be, I heard, I think it was Andrew Schultz talked about, he was like, yeah, if you go up, if there's like, you know, potential for like rioting or some shit like that, this was around like the George Floyd riots, I think or some kind of Black Lives Matter protest. And there were like influencers on Instagram that were taking pictures boarding up a store or boarding up some building in their community to try to show like, oh yeah, man, I'm trying to help out. I'm trying to keep everyone safe and shit like that. And he was like, no, dude, you are a looter. You're taking an instance of human suffering and you're trying to opportunistically profit off of it in some way or another. And that is effectively looting. It doesn't necessarily have to be stealing property or whatever to, to make yourself, you know, to benefit yourself. It can be anything. It can be, you know, any kind of utilizing a situation to profit. And I'm, I wouldn't even be surprised. Is there a certain amount of looting? Is there a certain amount of profiting off of others' demise that we can't escape. I mean, like, it almost just seems like human nature. If there's, if there's a pandemic, there's somebody who's going to work their ass off to try to make the vaccine and not just give it to everybody. Not everybody's Jonas Salk. Not everybody's just going to give away the polio vaccine for free. So, I, I, I don't know. I just get... I get worried that conspiracies are here to stay and years after the fact, you often don't even have like a compelling narrative that you can point to and be like, yeah, that's what happened. I mean, for one, like it's still up in the air whether or not JFK was killed by Lee Harvey Oswald. I think most people who have like really looked into it, like... You know, some people, you'd be like, yeah, I just, I, I read the official story and I understood the official story and that was good enough for me. And like, at this point, does it really fucking matter? You know, I, I think it's decently well understood that the U.S. government is going to do some fucked up noise all over the place. It's, it's decently well, like if, if you told me, yes. The U.S. government did kill JFK, the CIA did kill JFK, or no, we have definitive proof that they didn't. I really don't think it would shape the way that I look at the U.S. government. I think I'm pretty much going to look at them exactly the same. They still do a lot of fucked up shit, and they, we still you know, really don't have any way of holding them accountable. It's almost like Machiavelli's The Prince, where he's like, hey man... It's all about stability in your own country. If you've got to do some fucked up shit in another country to produce stability in your own country, you as a leader have the right and the requirement to do that. Maybe there's an argument. I mean, I don't know. How self-interested can we be? Are we all, uh, you know, humans, part of the human race that all experience existence together and... We should all kind of be on the same team, one big tribe, or 
Should I be able to send my kids to the best school possible? If, if my kid going to the best school possible makes it so that four other kids have to go to a slightly shittier school, is that, is that okay? Is, is the ultimate level of tribalism, because obviously there's tribalism of all kinds, there's racial tribalism, there's tribalism for left-handed people, there's tribalism for people that like Star Trek versus Star Wars, and the animosity that might bubble up between the two of them. There's religious tribalism that has ravaged the earth, earth for a thousand plus years, or two thousand, whatever, the, as long as humans have been alive. Uh, there has been religious tribalism that has, you know, brought people to kill each other. But at the end of the day, are you allowed to give the best you can to your children if that causes another child to suffer? I don't know. Maybe. But it's really... It's really hard to figure out. But yeah, on that lovely note, <clears throat> that is our show. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. Tune in next week. Try to get these out just about every Tuesday. Um, you know, check out clips and shit that you might have missed of other episodes on the YouTube channel. Um... You know, let me know if I've butchered anything that you care about, and I will maybe even address it in another episode. Um, but hope y'all have a good rest of your day.